Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series, Poems, Prayers, and Promises, a look at a variety of psalms. The psalms are the prayers of God's people, encouraging and teaching us how to pray in our day. We hope this helps you understand and apply God's Word in your life today. We're going to um, look at Psalm 90 this morning, and uh, I figured uh, I'll start the, start the timer here. I'll talk for 20 minutes and then start the timer. That would be a problem for you guys. Um, we're going to look at Psalm 90 this morning, and I just want to say at the outset of this that this is written by Moses, so it is the oldest psalm in the Psalter. And you see how that works? You get the old dude to do the old psalm. I get it. I, I see how that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think there's a conspiracy going on here. Anyway, let's look at uh, Psalm 90 and see what God has to say to us. This is uh, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath, we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Amen and praise the Lord for his holy word. Imagine if someone gave you $57,600 to use as you please. Now, it's all yours. You can do whatever you want with it. The only caveat is, is at the, at the end of the day, whatever remains is taken away from you. Whatever you have, there's no bank account, unless, of course, it has interest, but it, it's pulled all away from you. Think about that. If you knew it was going to be taken at the end of the day, would that... First of all, if you had $57,600 that was just given to you, that might be pretty cool, right? But if you knew it's going to be snatched at the end of this day and you can't get it back, would that affect how you use that? Yes. Would you use it 
as much as you could that day. Try to spend it or, or use it all, right? Now, I just want to say that every person is given 86,400 seconds every day. Now, if you sleep eight hours, which most of us probably don't, there are left over 57,600 seconds to use as you see fit. No one can use seconds from one day over and carry it into the next day. It's taken from us. Whatever is spent is gone for good. However, whatever is invested will bring future rewards, future returns. This series is called Poems, Prayers, and Promises, and the title of today's message is Teach Us to Number Our Days. This psalm is a prayer of Moses, and so we're going to look at it, uh, and as it says, poems, prayers, and promises, we're really going to look at this prayer um, that old Moses gave to us. And uh, this is a, there's three parts to this prayer that I want to look at, each part with a transition between parts two and three. So the first section we're going to look at is under the heading of the praise. Teach us to number our days, uh, and the praise comes first. First uh, thing is Moses uh, is the man of God. Look at the title there. It says um, a psalm. Oh, excuse me. That's the wrong psalm there. It says a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Now, why do they call Moses a man of God? Why does God call him that in the, in the title here? Well, there's a lot of reasons. And if you know Moses' history, there's just so much that we could talk about. We could give a whole message we give a series of messages on why Moses is called the man of God. But I want to, and I didn't put this up on the screen, so you just have to listen. Um, I want to point out three verses from the New Testament that seriously illustrate why Moses is the man of God. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 through 26. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. That sums it all up. Moses, uh, he, well, three, three different things. Moses, first of all, he renounced temporal acclaim. He was not interested in what happened here in, in the temporal. He was looking more eternal. The second thing is, is he recognized that sin is a dead-end street. Sin might be pleasing for a season, and it is, but it leads to a road of destruction and death. Thirdly, he realized that eternal rewards fully outstrip or outweigh temporal rewards. That's one of the reasons why uh, Moses is called the man of God. And if we can get that perspective ourselves, we would do well to follow in Moses' footsteps. Now, Moses begins this prayer with praise. And I want to look at that because I want to think about that. As we look at praying, we'll notice that a lot of times uh, in the Scripture, people open their, their prayers with praise. In 2 Chronicles, just listen to this for a moment. In 2 Chronicles uh, 6, verse 14 Solomon, in one of the great prayers in the Bible, starts it off this way. O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you 
in heaven or on earth, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart, who have kept with your servant David, my father, what you, have, what you declared to him. You spoke with your mouth and with your hand you fulfilled it this day. Then he says, now therefore, O Lord God of Israel, keep your servant, blah, blah, blah. And he goes into his petition. Notice that he looks at who he's speaking to first. He praises the God whom he's delivering the prayer to. Jesus gives us that example in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, after this manner pray, he says, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now that's just a model of starting off with prayer. And then what does Jesus say? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, bring your kingdom. Lord, bring your will, et cetera, et cetera. Starting off with praise. So how does Moses start this prayer? He starts this prayer by saying, well, let's look at it in reverse order. I'm going to look at point two, uh, verse 2 before verse 1. He says, before the mountains were brought forth or ever you formed, you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Hallelujah, you are God. The first thing he says is God is eternal. From everlasting to everlasting. Before the mountains were formed, in eternity past, in infinitely backwards in time, which is fully incomprehensible to the human mind. And then going infinitely into the future forever and ever. That I can't grasp here in this finite mind, but it's true. This is the God he's speaking to. You are God from everlasting to everlasting. The second thing he says is God is our home. Okay? God is our home. Look at this. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Now think about that. He is our dwelling place and has been our dwelling place. He was for the Israelites. And keep in mind, uh, starting with Abraham and Isaac, they wandered a lot. They didn't have a place to live. Jacob settled down for a minute, but then he ended up in Egypt. They didn't really have a, a, a place there. Joseph got started down there, and then they were there, and they raised up, but then they went into the wilderness, and that's where Moses is writing this from, we believe. And whatever, they never really had a dwelling place, but oh, yes, they did because God was their dwelling place. And we would do well, church, to realize that God is where we live. Amen? You awake? Yes, <laughs> He is the place we dwell and should always dwell. And we could, we could develop that a lot more, but I just want to, this is just the foundation of this prayer, so I'm going to move on. But we would do well to realize that God is our home. Now, after He begins with the praise, um, the second part of this prayer comes the problem. You see, Moses is, is going to agree with God. He's going to agree with God. Um, first of all, um, in verse 8, he agrees that our sin, his sin and the congregation's sin, because he's praying this prayer basically not only for himself but the whole congregation. And he says in verse 8, you, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. You see, our sin is clearly in God's view. God sees everything. Um, 
I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Please don't raise your hand, although every one of you could raise your hand. But how many of you have things that you do that uh, you really don't want anybody to see? <laughs> you know? I mean, I was talking about this in relation to marriage. We were talking about in marriage. And, you know, quite frankly, um, and this is true confession time, as much as I love my wife, there are times when I talk to her that I, I, I would probably not want you to see me talk to her that way. I don't say that in a proud way. I say that in a, like an embarrassed way because I should be embarrassed to talk to her in front of her that way. But things happen. You know, the way I disciplined my children, these two were fine. I disciplined them very well. But the rest of them, right? <laughs> Say, no, 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 Dad. You, you lost it on me. But, uh, you know, there are things that we do that we probably don't want others to see. And whoa, how many things do we think? I'm going to tell you what, it's a dangerous place if you were to visit my brain. I'm going to tell you that now. It's really scary in there. But in all seriousness, how many of us think things that we would be ashamed? And some of the things, I mean, we really intend to think on, and yet we would be ashamed. Well, I've got news for you. God sees it, God hears it, God knows it. Before you even form the thought on your mind, he knew you were going to think it, and it wasn't pleasing to him. He said our secret sins are in the light. We think it's in the dark, it's in bright bright lights to God. And that's Moses agreeing with God that our sin is before him. Secondly, he agrees that God's wrath is in opposition to our sin. You see, God, our sin is exacerbated by the fact that God's wrath must come down upon our sin. In verse 7 through 9, he says... For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath, we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you and our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We, are, we bring our years to an end like a sigh. Three times, he says, by your anger, by your wrath, under your wrath. And look what it is. By your, by your anger, we're brought to an end. Um, under your wrath, our days pass away. By your wrath, we are dismayed. Folks, we're in trouble. In sin, we are in trouble because God's wrath is great and it must punish sin. That's where Moses is right now. He's agreeing with God in his prayer. Hebrews 1, uh, or excuse me, um, I mis misquoted that. It's not Hebrews, it's Romans chapter 1, verse 18. It's not up the screen. Listen to this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. My brother Greg was talking about that this morning when he came forward. You know, when I am in sin... As a believer, I suppress the truth because unbelievers certainly suppress the truth because they're not even living in the truth. But when we act like that, our ungodliness and unrighteousness that we do suppresses the truth. I am the first one to admit that, that when I act like the world, sometimes I do. And when I do, they can't see the truth. 
They can't see anything about who Christ is. They get the wrong impression of who Jesus Christ is. I'd be better off shutting my mouth and them not knowing that I was of the Lord for them to look at me. I mean, think about our society. Think about some of the things that Christians get accused of. And some of them, that's, it's deserved because that's the way we act. And uh, we suppress the truth in the way that we act. And he said the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. So that's Moses agreeing that our sin is before him. His wrath is in opposition to our sin. And then he looked at the consequences of our sin. In verses 3 through 6, the consequences of our sin. Um, he talks about, uh, first of all, uh, one of the consequences is toil and trouble in life. Verse 10. Toil and trouble in life. He says the years of our life are 70, okay, and by reason of uh, strength, 80. Or in this area with medication, medicine, uh, modern medicine, it might be 90. But whatever it is, their span is but toil and trouble. Isn't that crazy? All this time we work just, it's toil and trouble. Toil and trouble, toil and trouble. That's a consequence of our sin. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, that's a consequence of our sin. All the toil and trouble. The second thing is short life. Short life. Back in verse 3, he says, You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. Think about that. It's like a day. In fact, he said it's not even like a full day. It's like a watch in the night. And just to let you in on a little something, in those days they had three watches in the night. That's a third of a night. And guess what? Most of that time we were asleep. <laughs> How brief is that? That's really brief, a brief time. How many of you remember one-third of last night, the time when your eyes were closed? None of us, right? Unless you had a horrible dream. <laughs> But seriously, it's brief. It's very brief. Verse 10 says, um, for all, verse 9, for all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. Um, the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Very short life. Um, 70, 80, how long is that in the span of eternity? And I'm going to look at people that are near about my age, and so I'm not going to look at anyone specifically. I'm not going to make eye contact right now. But uh, I told you how old I am. I'm closing in on that 70. And I can tell you, young people, it goes really fast. Can I get an amen? amen. Oh, boy. <laughs> You just told on yourself. But seriously, right? <laughs> we know that it flies by. 70 years, 80 years. Is, did it go quick? Yeah, yeah. It was as long as I was your age. It wasn't long ago I was your age. Yes, I was. I know that's hard to believe, right? <laughs> he was that young? He was. The third thing here is toil and trouble in life, short life, and then death. Verse 3, you return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. 
And again, we refer back to Genesis. That's what he said. In the day that you eat of it, you will surely die, right? You will surely die. And every person has been eating of it ever since and has been dying because we have fully and willfully partaken in sin and we have led to our own demise, death. The only one that was never in sin was Jesus Christ. And guess what? He died. Why? Not because he deserved it. Why did Jesus die? Exactly because I deserved it. And he was the sacrifice for us because he didn't need to die. He chose to. We don't choose to. We need to. It's, it's, it's the nature of sin. It's where it leads us. Um, over in verse 10, he says it again. The years of our life were 70 or even by reason of 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. We're gone in no time at all. You know, this is really dismal. <laughs> this, is, this is downright depressing. This, this is why the world is full of resignation, cynicism, even nihilism. I mean, there's not much hope there. There's no hope there. And if we're careful, if we're not careful, we end up in the same, going around the same treadmill. Though we know Jesus and are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, if we willfully partake, we're in the same boat. We're, we're, we're reaping the same results. It's toil and trouble. Life is short, irrespective. And yet, all we're working towards is death and not enjoying life. This is really tough. And as a matter of fact, if we stop at the end of verse 10, verse 3 through 10, we, all we've got is Ecclesiastes. <laughs> That's what this is. It's like eat, drink, and live a miserable life, and then you die. That's basically it, right? And hey, hey, that's what the people we work with every day, the people we're beside in the marketplace every day, eat, drink, and live a miserable life because tomorrow we die, if we make it that far. No wonder we have situations like brother was talking about this past week. No wonder we have such a... This is where they live. Verse 3 to 10 is their whole life. And it's nothing but misery. But hallelujah, praise God, Moses did not stop in verse 10. He went to the potential. This is the serious transition between parts 2 and 3. This is a beautiful part of the scripture here. As Moses is praying, he acknowledges the benefits of a changed outlook. I'm going to say that again. He acknowledges the benefits of a changed outlook. Moses, verse, look at verse 11. Look up here on verse 11. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Okay, first of all, it is wise to ponder God's wrath, God's anger. What do I mean by that? The world stops at verse 10. The answer to this question, who considers the power of your anger? Virtually no one. If you did, you'd be frightened to death, right? So we just pretend God isn't there. That's what they do. Pretend God isn't there and live our lives and hope to get the most out of it. But in actuality, it would be wise to ponder that and to realize that sin requires a punishment. And either I allow Jesus to take the punishment for me or I take it myself. Amen? I take it myself. And here we go. It would be wise to do that. And who ponders the wrath according to the fear of you? I like the NIV translation says, uh, the wrath, uh, your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. 
God is due great fear. The fear of God is due. And it has to do with, um, fear has a scary, scary aspect, but it also has a respect aspect, an honoring aspect. We fear the Lord, we will honor him. And see, if we're stuck, this, is, this scripture right here is a gateway. 11 and 12 are going to be turning the tide on our outlook. We're back here in verse 3 through 10, but we have a gate to get to salvation. And it is wise to ponder his, his outlook, and it is wise to give him the fear that is due him. Because if we're in verse 3 through 10, we have a fear of the Lord. We're, we have reason to be scared. But if we turn the corner on 11 and 12, we have reason to fear him in honor and respect that's due him. Amen? Okay, so we give God the fear that is due him. Um, next, uh, the fear of the God in verse 12, the fear of God leads to the wisdom to ask God to teach us to number our days. Okay? He says it takes a humility. It takes a humility to even uh, fear the Lord. And God says he resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And grace, what is grace? Grace is God giving his full unmerited favor, favor that we don't deserve. He gives to us if we humble ourselves. And the grace we need to move from verse 10 on to the rest of the passage and the rest of life, we get by receiving God's grace. And, and through that, the fear of God leads to wisdom. He says in Psalm, no, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom, right? The fear of the Lord leads to wisdom. So it takes a certain wisdom just to get to this point. And then the fear of God leads us to this, and he says, teach us to number our days. Why? That we might get the heart of wisdom. Look at that. It takes a humility that gives us the wisdom to fear God and to lead us into having the wisdom to ask in order that when he grants it, we get more wisdom, more wisdom, excuse me, to live the life that God has carved out for us. This is a prayer of Moses, guys. This is a prayer of Moses. And this is what he's saying, that we have a chance to turn and change our viewpoint, to change our, our perspective, if you will. And so numbering our days, and it's not just numbering our days. It's fine to number our days. Really, the title should be, teach us to number our days aright. Teach us to number our, ways, number our days correctly, understanding that they're short. They're short, but we need to turn the tide and make good use of them because, as he said, the days are evil. The Apostle Paul said that. All right, so um, we have a potential. We have a potential to move from verse 3 to 10, the problem, turn, and to move into the benefits of the glory of the Lord. And the next portion of this, the final portion of this is the petition. Now, really, verse 12, he started his petition. He started asking God by teach us to number our ways. But once we have the heart of wisdom, then we can agree with God. Moses requests from God to return, for him to return with his results. And so we can have a much better life, a much more glorious life, a much more effective life in ministry if we turn from our ways, get a perspective of God and watch for his results and live in his results. And then it makes us, when we number our days, we see an effective life. He says in the petition, um, and let's just put these verses up here really quickly. 
Um, look at them. They're all written in orange or whatever color that is. Salmon, I don't know what color that is. Maybe you know. Have pity on his people. That's the first thing. Um, God wants to have pity or, or, or have compassion on us. He is a compassionate God. And yet, if it takes a humility to ask him for that and to allow us to receive that. And so that's what we're asking. God, please have mercy on us, a sinner. Have mercy on me, a sinner who does not deserve verses 13 through 17. I deserve 3 through 10. You deserve 3 through 10. That's what we deserve. But have pity and mercy on us and compassion on us to lead us into your, uh, into your benefits or your blessings. The second thing, satisfy your, satisfy your people. Satisfy us in the morning with steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Isn't that glorious? Hallelujah. Should excite you. Satisfy us in the morning with steadfast love. God's love is so great. It is so awesome. It is so high and wide and deep and broad. And he wants to shed it on us. His love, he wants to shed it on us. And so that's the benefit that we see coming and turning the gate and walking through that gate into the benefits of numbering our days correctly, numbering our days right, is we can receive in the morning. And I'm going to tell you what, the things we try to satisfy ourselves with in this uh, life really just turn to gravel in our mouths. And that's why people are on such a desperate Desperate charge to try to get satisfaction, and they go to deeper and deeper depths of sin to try to achieve satisfaction at the cost of their lives, at the cost of life. However, we can be satisfied with God's love. If you've ever tasted God's love in the morning, you know what I'm talking about. Thirdly, he says, make your people glad. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Be glad. Wow. How long have we been afflicted? <laughs> How long have we seen evil? Make us glad that many days. Make us fully glad. And that glad is really a joy. Another way, he said rejoice in the previous verse. It's a, it's, it's a joy. Being glad in the Lord is more than just being happy. It's being joyful. It's not being happy in the emotions. That's fine. But, but every day is going to fluctuate in emotions. But deep down in our souls, we want to be happy, which is joy of the Lord. And so when the worst of circumstances come, what did Tony say last week? You're either, you're either in, in a trouble or you're coming through a trouble or you're, you're about to go into one. It wasn't him or somebody said that last week. And um, yeah, we, we are about to have trouble if we don't have it already, right? Happiness will come and go, but joy, joy will stay in our souls. Show us your work. Shows, he show his work and power to his people. Uh, verse 16, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to your people. Who wants to see the, the real power of God? His glorious power. His glorious power to transform a life. His glorious power to do a work and to use a, 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 a contaminated vessel like this for his glory and to put the name of Jesus to exalt it in society that people might come to know him in spite of the vessel that he's using, but because of the great God that he is. Let your work be shown, God. 
Let them see how great you are. And then finally, grant your favor to your people and grant his people success in their work. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Look at that. The favor of the Lord. How many of you want, want the favor of the Lord? Amen? Yep. How many of you don't want the favor of the Lord? Okay. All right. That's good. That's good. We can have a counseling session afterwards if you want. Um, and success in our work. Establish the work of our hands. Success in the ministry. Because it's not our ministry. It's his ministry. Amen? It's his ministry. So, um, all the benefits that we receive are in this prayer. The spiritual blessings that God wants to bless us with, if we understand the problem and turn and ask God to teach us to number our days correctly, that we may have a heart of wisdom, wise enough to live in the Lord and for the Lord, and not for the flesh and for myself. So the final point in this, I wanted to point out the perspectives. The perspectives. Um, numbering our days will change our perspective. All right? And just look at this chart right here. Um, uh, numbering our days. And, and, and he said, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. As I said, that's like a gateway to turn to get a heart of wisdom and to not live in 3 through 10. But look at, look at some of the things that we have here. First of all, a temporal perspective leads to man's despair. This is temporal versus eternal, okay? An eternal perspective leads to God's delight. So let's look at some examples. Number one, return. In verse 3, he says, the temporal man returns to dust. The eternal, in verse 12... God returns himself to bless us. Secondly, our emotional outlook. In the temporal, in verse 7, man gets dismayed. In the eternal, God makes us glad. Thirdly, God's power. Temporal, we see, uh, verse 11, we see the power of God's anger and his wrath. But look at verse 16. We see in the eternal, we see the power of of God's blessings. And then our work. Remember in verse 10, he said, our work is toil and trouble. That's the temporal. In the eternal, our work is established in him. And it no longer becomes a toil and trouble. It becomes ministry, and it becomes a joy to do the work to watch the Lord's results. Amen. So, the, so there you have it. So, I don't know what's coming until I uh, turn the notes here. Someone said, someone said, let me run that back for a minute. We're almost to applying the word. But someone said, the young think they're immortal and the old despair because their time is over. Think about this. This is a very beautiful psalm, this prayer that Moses is prayer, praying. It's very balanced. The beginning guards us against false optimism. It stands in opposition to so many secular songs, lectures, false religions, other arts that claim that we can just live in harmony. One day, it's all going to be okay. No, it's not going to be okay. That's what verse 3 through 10 says. No, it guards against false optimism. However, the end in balance guards against despair. 
We have hope found in Jesus Christ. We have hope and we don't have to live. How easy is, is it for us to, to slide, especially in a society, to slide into the despair of verses 3 through 10? We can feel like our, it's just toil and trouble. But the end says, we have the hope of Jesus Christ to guard against this despair. So, let's apply the word here. How, how might we apply this? Well, I look at it this way. This psalm, uh, this prayer that Moses is praying is a type of the sinner's prayer. First of all, he, he, he prays God. A sinner's not necessarily going to praise God, but who do we go to? We go to the eternal God, and we agree with God about our sin, that sin is the problem, right? We recognize that sin results in God's wrath and that the punishment for sin is death, and then we humbly go to God for salvation. It reminds me... Um, of, of how we talk about the Romans road. Uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, we agree with God in our sin is the problem and that the consequences of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We think about um, while we were yet sinners, that gate we can turn. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us who didn't deserve it. And that we, go, we humbly go to God for free salvation. Free salvation. It's free to us. It's not free to Jesus. He paid an, an, an immeasurable price. But for us, he offers it to us for no cost. And he says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for the Lord and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And we see that flowing through this prayer. So my question to you is, do you know the Lord? Today is the day of salvation. Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Remember the 57,600 seconds that we're awake? We don't necessarily get anymore. We may, we may not. And I can't scare you into salvation, but what I can say is teach us to number our days correctly. And as an unbeliever, we're, you're stuck. That's where I was. That's where these, these brothers and sisters who are believers will shake their heads and say, yes, we were stuck in verses 3 through 10. We were stuck in the problem. But there's potential to live in the blessings of God if you cry out to him. Also, the second thing is this prayer is a type of a believer's prayer. Think about it. We praise our eternal God. We go to him. He is the place where we dwell. We agree with God on how short we fall when we do fall because every day, the, the, the best intentions, we still fall very short of the glory of God. Every day, people, every day I fall short. The best that I have to offer God every day and my best intentions still, even with Christ, even with the Holy Spirit dwelling, the best I have to offer Him is filthy rags. That's all. Poopy diapers. Am I allowed to say that on the internet in, in, in church? Is that, a, is that a word we can say? Poop. Oops. Okay. Numbering our days, we know that he will sanctify us and bless his ministry through us. That is the God that we're praying to. That's the God that Moses was praying to. That is the God that the believer... So how do we apply it? We, we pray in this manner, after this manner. 
and then we walk according to this manner. We ask God, number our days, and think about, think and ponder, where am I wasting? Where am I living for self? Where am I living for sin? Where am I involved in things that I'm not investing some of those 57,000 seconds ahead of time into eternity? Because what I spend is gone forever, but what I invest will bring future rewards. Amen. We're going to come to the table now. I didn't even need to drink my water. Mm. <clears throat> We're going to partake of the Lord's table now. I'm just going to tell you when Brett does this, the, the professionals make it look easy, don't they? <laughs> but praise God. Um, we're going to partake of the table. Um, this is the, the table of God's potential. You don't have to be a member of Bay Ridge to partake. And if you don't have, I don't know if it was said earlier, but there are some packets. Um, they're available in the back if you didn't get one. Um, this is for believers. You don't have to be a member here, but you do have to be a member of God's church. If you um, know the Lord as your, as your Lord and personal Savior, and Lord, like I said, you're welcome to, the, to partake. And uh, if you don't, then we just ask you to pass. But I did want to say up there when I was talking about uh, the sinner's prayer, if you want to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, come see one of us. If uh, you are watching on, uh, at home or on the Internet, uh, drop us a line. We would love to pray with you and, and allow God to lead us to lead you to him. It's not us leading anybody to Christ. It's him. But we will be his vessel. So come see any one of the elders. We'd be love to pray with you. Um, so this is for believers. Um, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. Once he gave thanks, he broke it, saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, also, after, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this is, my, is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and take this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I'm going to ask you to peel back and be prepared to take the bread, but we'll take it together in just a moment after I pray. Let us pray. Father God, heaven, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You have been and have promised to always be our dwelling place. You spoke to Abraham and you uh, promised him a blessing to last throughout all generations. You brought Jacob and his family to Egypt and protected them, strengthened them, and began a great nation. You raised up Moses, whom you used to deliver them. And through that delivered nation, you sent our Lord Jesus, your only begotten son, to die on a cross to save us from our sin. You brought forth 12 disciples and made them apostles, 
and your Holy Spirit came upon them to dwell in them and found your church. And through centuries and now millennia, you have protected and delivered your church. And here we are today, God, asking you to complete the good work in us that you started. Be glorified in your church as we seek you to teach us to number our days aright. We thank you that you are the only wise God who delights in answering the prayers of your children. Take heed. Lord Jesus, you are our eternal Lord, the one who was in eternity past with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. You ordained that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And yet, while we were sinners, we who were a holy, undeserving people, who despised and hated you, you humbled yourself even to the point of death on a cross and died for us. You did that in order that you would found your church, your bride, whom you deeply, so deeply love. Thank you, Lord, for meeting us in this place, for never giving us on us, for never forsaking us. And thank you that you still save people even today. Take the cup. I ask you to stand. We'll have a closing prayer and then a benediction. Holy Spirit of God, you are welcome in this place. You came to dwell in us and you lead us daily. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil that we might learn to number our days correctly knowing that the days are evil, that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Help us to remember to work while it is day, for night is coming soon when no one can work. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. And now receive the benediction. And I'm going to do something different from the benediction. I'm going to use the scripture that we preached from this morning. <laughs> Adapted from Psalm 90. May the Lord have pity on you. May he satisfy you with his steadfast love. May he make you glad in him. May you see his work and his glorious power. May he establish the work of your hands. Yes, may he establish the work of your hands. Be blessed. Go forth and be a blessing. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.